text is in 1 Samuel chapter number 27. 1 Samuel chapter number 27. As we continue in the story of David, we've got only one more week and then it's time to begin Thanksgiving. So we won't, of course, finish the life of David. We'll have to do that another time. Uh, But we're coming uh, to a major issue. And so uh, we'll end on a high note next week. But 1 Samuel 27 for our text today. It was quite a few years back... There came a job opening on the Montezuma Wildlife Refuge. My father worked on the refuges for years. It was for a maintenance man. I really wanted that job. And I went and I talked to the manager of the refuge. He said, sure, I'd like to hire you. But you had to go through all the civil service requirements. So I did. I took two civil service tests. One a little higher than the other one. I filled out applications, and I waited. Then I called the refuge. And then he said, well, I haven't heard anything from the civil service people. So I called the civil service people. They said, well, we received one of your tests, and uh, you're overqualified for the job. And I said, well, no, I'd like to get the job. Isn't it better to be overqualified than underqualified? And the government in their infinite wisdom said, oh, you'd be so bored. (laughs) So I waited for the results on the second test. And finally, uh, I called them again. They said they couldn't find my results. And so I drove down to Syracuse and sat down in the office and said, I'm waiting for you to find my test results. (laughs) The fellow hummed and hawed, opened all his desk drawers and opened a whole bunch of file cabinets. And after half an hour, he said, I think we lost it. Then he asked the lady who was sitting four feet from his desk right there. And she said, oh, yeah, it's right on top. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew uh, right then uh, they weren't happy with me. And uh, it wasn't going to go well. And I never heard from them again. I did receive a letter several months later that said, we want to thank you for your interest in civil service. No, you didn't get the job, but I guess you were interested. (laughs) So anyway, I didn't get the job. I tried everything. I talked to a lot of people. I took all their tests, all to no avail. And I wondered why God didn't help me to get that job. Seemed like it was the best thing I could have ever had. And I never understood why it didn't work out. Until the day I stood inside this church for the first time. And then I realized if I had got the job and moved to Geneva... uh, This would still be an abandoned building, and none of us would be sitting here today. The point of that is that God knew better. God knew better. So God made my plans fail, so his plans would succeed. In our text today, we find plans, big plans. And we wonder why. So let's see what happens to David and his plans. As we have said, David was running from King Saul. 
King Saul tried to kill him several times. And now David has escaped out into the wilderness. He and his 600 men live in caves and they hide in the forest and constantly on the run to avoid King Saul's search parties. It's been a real trial. (coughs) And along the way, bad people are always turning in David and his men to Saul telling where they saw him last. And so he's always got to be moving and watchful and on the run. Finally, he makes a plan and he makes a different decision. First Samuel now, chapter 27, verse 1. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath, who is the king of the Philistines. Now, is this a good idea or not? Now remember, David had killed Goliath, who was a Philistine champion, who came from Gath, the very city he went to. Is David thinking clearly when he decides to go over the Philistines to hide from Saul? Won't they mistrust the man who killed Goliath? That question occurs to me. But stop now and think about David. It's been several years that he's been hiding and running from King Saul. It's a daily grind. Find food for 600 men. Keep a watchful eye. Be ready to run at any moment in the woods, up the mountains, in the caves, or out into the wilderness. Constant vigil, dangerous encounters. After several years of running and hiding, killing Goliath seems like it was a hundred years ago. He doesn't feel like a national hero anymore. All he knows now is the life of a fugitive. And weary of the conflict, he thinks, I'm going to leave the borders of Israel and go to the Philistines for refuge. Reason number one, Saul will give up his search if I leave the country. And number two, I've got an army with me of 600 men, so I should be safe if I go to the Philistines. Now verse 3. David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, even with David and his two wives, Ahinamim the Jezreelite, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. So it's more than just 600 men that he's got. It's also their families, women and children. And David is right. Saul gave up the manhunt. And so now David and his little army is in Gath under the eye of the king of the Philistines, Achish. 
Verse number five. And David said to Achish, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let me give me a place in some town in the country that I might dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag pertaineth to the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. So David cleverly says to the king of the Philistines, why don't you give me some city out in the middle of nowhere, some place that you don't really want, and I'll get out of your way. Great idea, says the king. Uh, I have a city named Ziklag, and uh, it's all yours. You can have the whole place. So David moves his whole crew to Ziklag, it used to be an Israelite city, but the Philistines took it over. And now it's all David's. Ziklag belongs to David and his men. It's quite an accomplishment. But in order to stay there, David has to show proof that he's on the side of the Philistines. So he goes off and does raids. Verse number 8. And David and his men went up and invaded the Gerashites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to sure even to the land of Egypt. And David smote the land, neither any man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep, the oxen, asses, and camels and apparel, and returned and came to Achish. And so he goes to these cities of the Amalekites, and wipes out everybody. All the people die. And wherever he goes to raid, he takes the spoil, oxen and sheep and camels, back to Achish, the king of the Philistines. And uh, there's a little flaw in the plan. Let's look at verse 10. And Achish said, Whither have you made a raid today? And David said, against the south of Judah, against the south of the Jeremelites, and against the south of the Kenites. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David. And so will be his manner with all that he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. Achish believed David, saying, he hath made his people Israel utterly abhor him, therefore he shall be my servant forever. Now, he goes to Amalekite cities. Amalekites are people that God had cursed. King Saul was supposed to, by God's instruction, wipe out the entire Amalekite population. He didn't do that. But when David takes the spoils and goes up, attacks an Amalekite city, takes the oxen and sheep back to the king of the Philistines, uh, he asks, so where'd you go today? Where would you raid today? David said, well, uh, we went across the south of Israel. And so Achish thinks he's raiding cities in Israel. And David doesn't correct him. It's actually a lie. David attacks the Amalekite. 
And the reason it says he leaves no survivors is so that nobody can go back and tell the king of the Philistines, David attacked us. You thought he was up in Israel making raids. He's not. So Achish thinks David is raiding in Israel and that the Israelites will hate David. So David will have to stick here with me and be a Philistine from now on because they'll hate him back home. David, you're not telling the truth. You're lying to King Achish. So you see, my friends, David, in order to hide from Saul, went to the Philistines. He can only stay there if he appears to be loyal to the Philistines and disloyal to Israel, his home. So he raids the Amalekites, takes the spoils, sheep, oxen, and camels to Achish, and lets Achish believe that the spoils came from Israel. Now, is David doing the right thing? No, of course not. He's lying. Now, let's stop a minute. Consider what David's plan was all about. Number one, if he flees to the Philistines, Saul will stop the manhunt. Yes, it worked. That seemed to be a good plan. No more running and hiding. He's got his own city now. Number two, David and his men, their families are not living in the woods and caves, anything anymore. They have their own city. Ziklag. Nobody's hiding. They finally have a normal lifestyle. Yes, you say, that's a good idea. Number three, David has to submit to the Philistines. And so he gives them all the spoils of war. Okay, but he has to lie to stay on the good side of Achish. No. No plan that includes lying is good. Truth is God's way. Jesus said what? I am truth. So David's plan has a flaw in it. Where did it go wrong? Well, you go back to verse 1, and what does it say there? It says, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. How did David survive up to that point? He trusted in God, right? God kept David safe. Right up to the very point... As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that Saul falls asleep in the same cave where David's hiding. Think of it now. Up to this point, God protected David from a lion. You remember, David said, I grabbed him by the mane and I killed a lion. That's God's protection. And God protected David from a bear. And God protected David from a 10-foot giant named Goliath. And God protected David from King Saul, even when he's sleeping in the same cave. So why did David's faith suddenly fail? When did David suddenly change his mind and think that God wouldn't protect him from Saul? 
Is there anything on earth that could have been able to kill David when he trusted in God to deliver him? No, not even a lion face to face. Why not? Samuel anointed David to be the king of Israel. And king he will be, and that was God's plan. David's plan is flawed because it doesn't take into account God's plan. See, when I was trying to get that job in Geneva, I didn't know what God had planned for me. I never even saw this building. But David does know. He should have trusted God. My friends, here's where the Bible is such a good book. Here's where David's life is a good thing for us to study. Because David is human. And he makes mistakes. And he has flaws. We're just like him, huh? We make mistakes. We have flaws. And sometimes our plans don't include God's plans. And sometimes we don't really think that God has a plan for us. We got a good idea. We got a plan of our own. We can make it work. Do you ever ask God what to do? Or maybe you think he's not listening and he won't answer. How do you know the plan you have is right? Do you have to lie to work it out? If you do, it's wrong. David knew he would be king, and he got tired of waiting. So he went to a foreign land, the Philistines, and got help from them. So how's it all going to work out? Well, let's see how it worked out. Chapter 28 and verse 1. came to pass in those days the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, Know thou surely that thou shalt go with me to battle thou and thy men. Now, Achish says, David, we're going to attack Israel. You're coming with me. The nation where he's supposed to be the future king. Now what, David? You've been lying to Achish and let him believe that you've been raiding the cities in Israel. And now he wants you to go to war with Israel. Now what are you going to do, David? Now you've got yourself a problem. Chapter 29, verse 1. The Philistines gathered together all their armies in Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. Big army. David said, <coughs> and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. Then said the princes of the Philistines, what do these Hebrews do here? Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, this, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which has been with me these years? And I have found no fault in him since he fell in with me. And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. The princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may not go to his place that thou was appointed with him. Let him go not down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. And why should he reconcile himself to his master? Should it not be the heads of these men 
It is, is this not David of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousand? So the captains of the armies of the Philistines said, who's that? Well, that's David. He's been here for over a year. He's on our side. They said, we don't trust him. We don't trust him. And the king said, well, I do. And the Philistine captain says, yeah, we'll get in battle. Then he'll turn against us. Send him back where he came from. We don't want him. Get him out of here. My friends, that is God overruling David's plan. Huh? Good thing they sent him home. (laughs) Or he'd have been fighting his own people. God saved David from his own flawed plan. So David, he's sent away, returns to his own city of Ziklag that was given to him by the Philistines. Watch this. Chapter 30, verse 1. It came to pass when David and his men come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire had taken the women captive that were therein, and they slew not any, neither greatness, so carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Wow. That didn't turn out well. David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, David, how's it going now? You got your own city, Ziklag. It's burned to the ground, nothing but ashes left. The families that you sought to protect have all been taken captive. There it is, my friends. David's city, a gift from the Philistines, totally destroyed. Now you got nothing. Your plan failed, and the Amalekites have your wives and children. Bad plan. God burned your place to the ground. And your men are ready to stone you. They never felt like that back in Israel. All you can say is this. It's a mess. What a mess. My friends, so often when we make our own plans, all we can say is, it's a mess. It's a disaster. Now what? Verse 7, David said to Avatar the priest in the M. And Amalek's son, pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. He brought hither the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, thou shalt surely overtake them without fail and recover all. So David finds his group of men, they find a slave out in the wilderness. They said, Who did it? And they said, I'll take you where they came from. And here's what we need to take from this story, my friend. When we do make a mistake, and when we make a plan, and our plan becomes a big mess, God doesn't abandon us. 
God doesn't say, you made the mess. It's all yours. See what you can do with it. No, no. Still willing to help, he comes to our aid. David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. So go to God and say, God, I made a mess of it. Help. Help me, God. And God has a way. Don't give up. God will help us even when we made a mess of things. David was to be the king of Israel. He was supposed to go to Jerusalem, not Ziklag. He was to become a king, not a servant of the Philistines. David was to trust in God, not in Achish, the other king. David needed to follow God's plan, not his own. And in the battle that David was forced out of by the Philistine captain, King Saul... And all his family and his whole army were defeated. And King Saul died in that battle. It's a good thing David wasn't there. Especially to participate in it. God saved David from his own foolish plan. And finally the doors opened for David to be king. Close call, David. Close call, but God got you out of your mess. Out of your plans. Your city Ziklag no longer exists. It's time to go home to Jerusalem and do the will of God. May it ever be with us that after we've made a mess of things, we go back to God and do His will. God help us to turn to Him when we need Him the most. Remember, you can always trust God. Make that the number one rule as you live your life. Trust God and include Him in all your plans. And may God bless you as you stay close to Him. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for the instruction from Your Word. And we are like David. Sometimes we've made a real mess. We ask that you help us in those days to open our eyes and look to you and ask for your help. Lord, we need your help. and We ask for it over and over. We come to you because we have no confidence in our own plans. We want to make sure we're in God's plan. So help us, Lord. Help us to learn from these passages that we can trust in you with all our heart Come what may, God will be with us and never abandon us. So help us, Lord, we pray, to learn these things and ask your help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn with me to hymn number 322. <clears throat> Standing as we sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. You can trust in God. You know that he can help, so we lean on him. Safe and secure from all alarms. Standing as we sing 322, leaning on the everlasting arm. Number 322, lean.
everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path goes from day to day, leading on the everlasting arms. Another Protestant heard from. So some people brought stuff for the food drive. Some people brought stuff for these guys. But <laughs> they can do whatever they want with any of it. So, um, but it is an attempt by us to show them our appreciation for all that they do all year long. And um, there's, I mean, we couldn't bring enough to really show you how much we Thank you, sir. And everybody, thank you. We thank you all very much, and uh, we appreciate it. And we wouldn't do anything else. There's nothing else we do except for be here and serve you. So it's our pleasure. We, we appreciate it very much. We can't express it. We know that there's a love among us here in this church that's hard to find anywhere else. And so we thank God for that. And if you don't know what's going on, like most of the time I don't, it's apparently Pastor Appreciation Month. Is it, is it a month? Seems like a long time to appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you all very much. We appreciate it all. Thank you. Thank you. you. Well, well, okay. 
Okay, can you say a prayer? Oh, lunch. Lunch will be, yeah. Okay. Before we eat, <laughs> let's pray. Why don't we, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom of God that guides us. We ask that our plans would be yours always. And so help us to give our days and our hours to you that we might be faithful servants to our Heavenly Father. And we thank you for these folks here and the love that's shown. And down deep inside, we know it's real. And so we're grateful to you for these days and that we share together our lives and for the result of it, which is joy in many hearts and people in heaven in the end. We're grateful for those things. Bless us now, we ask. Thank you for the food we can share. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.